Hello and welcome to the Imagineer Podcast, your unofficial guide to all things Disney. I'm your host, Matthew Krall, and you're listening to episode 145 of the Imagineer Podcast. In today's podcast episode, we're going to pick up where we left off last week. If you missed part one of our D23 Expo discussion and you're considering attending D23 Expo in the future or just want to know more about what it's like, definitely go back and listen to part one because we recap our experience in terms of traveling there, staying there, what we want, what we did to prepare for the expo and some other recommendations we would offer to anyone who is thinking about attending D23 Expo in the future. In today's podcast episode, we get to the fun stuff. We're going to recap everything we learned from D23 Expo 2022. You know what? I scratched that. It's way too long to discuss everything, and there are so many places you can already go to hear all of the announcements, and we would spend hours going through everything. So instead, in this two, in the second part of our podcast episode, we're actually just going to highlight some of the main takeaways and moments that we loved from the expo itself, including any of the, any of the panels that we loved, any of the announcements that were made that we felt were... Um, the largest announcements or you know some of those most memorable moments from the d23 expo this year and at the end of the episode as always i'll come back and tell you a little bit more about how you can connect with the imagineer podcast on all your favorite social media channels and how you can help to inspire and create the future of this show so grab some headphones pull up your favorite armchair and enjoy this episode of the imagineer podcast Let's talk about, let's transition um, sort of second half of this conversation. Like I said, I don't want us to go line item by line item through every single announcement because there's way too much to discuss. This will be a four hour discussion if we do that. And I don't think it's worthwhile going through everything in that way. Instead, I'd much rather us talk about our sort of day by day experiences as if we were on a Disney vacation and talking about our personal experiences on that particular day and some of the announcements that we were excited about, maybe some of the things we were hoping for that we didn't hear, maybe in a future expo we'll hear about, and anything else that was noteworthy from that day. Um, so the first day, the first panel that I think we both attended was the opening ceremony and the Disney Legends ceremony, um, which there were, I think it was 11 or 12 new Disney Legends that we got to see except on stage including the main cast of frozen i think was the one that a lot of disney fans were really excited about so um adina menzel jonathan groff Kristen bell and josh gad all got their disney legends awards we had ellen pompeo and um patrick i'm said patrick swayze patrick dempsey <laughs> from um general hospital um general hospital oh my goodness gray's anatomy <laughs> how old am i um gray's anatomy both accepted their speed uh, both had disney legends acceptances um patrick dempsey was also for his work in enchanted 
uh, that he got his uh, Disney Legend Award. But anyway, were there any takeaways for you either between that opening ceremony and the Disney Legends portion of that panel? Well, I wish I could, but I wasn't there for that. We skipped that. Oh, I thought you were there. So let me talk about it. It was no. a lot of fun. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm we, sorry. We, I thought we, you were there. Was there. The fir- no, we, we because we decided that that was like the one day that we decided to sleep in a little bit more. So we just went straight to the uh, the day one showcase, which was for animation, Disney animation, live action and Pixar. So that was the main one we want to focus on. So we... I'm remember, I think we did, the, uh, we ended up doing uh, like Mickey's of Glendale and shopping first. I think we just kind of explored, the, that was our time to kind of explore the floor a little bit more. So we took the time to do that instead. That was a great idea. Um, I'm glad that you decided to do that. That was my studio showcase day one um, decision. So I'm going to let, I'm actually going to let you talk about studio showcase day one, because I know that you and Brian attended that one. Mm-hmm. We did talk about it and I yes. did not get the chance to, or I decided not to attend that one. Um the opening ceremony was great. I, it was really sort of the keynote. I mean, Bob Chapek came on stage. He spoke for about 10, 15 minutes about what we can expect from D23 Expo. It was live streamed, so it was also the first uh, the first panel or presentation that was live streamed. It got us excited. Bob teased out the addition to Avengers Campus for day three, sort of as a look forward to Josh tomorrow's panel to talk about that. And some of the other things we could expect. Um, so it's great to see him on stage. I'm glad he took the time to come and speak to Disney fans at D23 Expo. Um, and then it was the Disney Legends ceremony, which I actually did have to duck out a little bit early to attend my next panel, which was the games showcase where we learned about some of the Disney and Marvel games that are coming to and Lucasfilm that are coming to life. Um, there was not too much. I mean, I don't have a ton of time or, you know, I how I prioritize my time. I don't leave a lot of time for gaming. So it was interesting to see what was coming out. Um, but there was nothing personally for me that I am looking forward to doing because again, like I said, that's one thing I did cut out of my life. Although I did years ago, love to do gaming. Um, I just don't do it anymore. Uh, but they had a lot of really great, if you're into gaming, check out some of the announcements because there was some exciting stuff and I could feel from the audience around me that there were there was a lot of excitement around some of the games that were that were coming to be. Um, so, uh, so Mike, I think was the first official panel for you Studio Showcase Day One. Yes, that was the first one for us. All right. So, what are some of the highlights for you from that panel? So. <sighs> We came into it with actually zero expectations. We weren't exactly sure what they were going to announce or anything along, the, along those lines. And actually, that was the best way to go about it because there was we weren't expecting anything. We didn't know what was going on. And so we were really pleasantly surprised. Um, actually, I think that was the, the panel that we were the most pleasantly surprised was for that showcase. And they started off with this beautiful montage of showcasing all these the different Disney films over the years, everything from their animated features to their live action. It was really well put together. And then they seamlessly brought it into the brand new opening sequence for their films for their hundredth. And let me tell you, we all got goosebumps in the entire hall. It was so gorgeous. It was so beautiful. And with with these the sound system they had in the hall and the big screen, how oh, it was 
the perfect way to start this showcase was in that way. So that got me really, really excited. And again, not to necessarily go through the beats of the entire thing. I would say for me, I was very intrigued by Haunted Mansion. I was glad that they mentioned something about it and they did show us some footage from it. And I was actually, you know, I, I'm very interested in what they're going to do with this. It looks fun. It looks, you know, quirky and spooky. Like it hits all the things that you would hope for, for a Haunted Mansion feature film. So that was great. And, um, for, I'm really, really excited for Elemental. It's, it's one of the, I don't remember the last time I was really excited by a Pixar film before. I think Inside Out was the last one that I was really, like, I love all the Pixar films, but that was, like, Inside Out was looking forward to going to see. And all, a lot of the other Pixar films, like, ooh, this looks really interesting, you know, and I'll just wait for it to come out. But Elemental looks so gorgeous. It's so creative. And I just love the story behind it. And they did show us some concept artwork and they did show us a, a number of things for it. And I was really excited about that. Um, so Pixar, I'm really excited for what they're coming up with. And then uh, for the animation, I loved the concept of Wish. And I, I, I know some there are some people that had some backlash to it and like trying to be kind of confused but i thought it was a great idea of the concept of the birth of the wishing star and the origin of the wishing star and the animation was absolutely beautiful it was this interesting blend of watercolor and 2d animation and 3d animation and kind of a little stop motion in a way it was just really interesting blend of all these different animation techniques um to that came together so it was a very unique looking film and just looks great like i'm really looking forward to it i'm glad that they decided to do something original to celebrate their hundredth and uh i'm very much looking forward to that it looks really great yeah those were although i didn't attend the showcase the two that stood out to me as well elemental i do get some inside out vibes from that um, we did, speaking of Inside Out, we did hear that there's going to be an Inside Out 2, which seems really intriguing. There's going to be new emotions that'll be part of the cast for Inside Out 2. And I'm really curious to see what direction they take with that. But I, I will also say that the two sort of, uh, two of the other moments that I loved watching footage back um, were the the Jamie Lee Curtis entry for Haunted Mansion, how they brought her out on a doom buggy. That was really cool. <laughs> that was, yeah, that, that was cool because really cool. I remember it was, I remember when, after they went with it, they were like, okay, we can't do this without, you know, the, the queen of screams. And we're all like, okay. okay. And then all of a sudden here, do, 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 do. And then out comes is the doom buggy. I'm like, Oh, this is cool. And then they just, they just slowly turn around and it's freaking Jamie Lee Curtis. And everyone <laughs> just went crazy. So, um, so yeah, it was, uh, it that was very cool. That was definitely a, a, that was a definitely a fun moment. I really did appreciate that. Um, one of the things, and this will be a common theme for a lot of the major showcases, the live performances they had were truly incredible. And that is something that you don't get over the live stream. 
So, uh, so for example, um, they had the lead actress for the uh, Little Mermaid uh, remake. So she uh, came out and she did a, a vocal performance. It was absolutely spectacular. Um, but they, that was a very common theme throughout is that they did a lot of live performances, uh, for, um, and, um, in fact they had, um, they, they had another performance of when you wish upon a star as well. And it was just so incredible. I mean, the vocal performances were just out of, out of this world and being there a part of it was a truly unique experience. And that's one of the reasons why, yes, you can see a lot of this stuff live stream, but there's just being in that room with these performances and just the energy of the crowd, which again is 7,500 people that are experiencing this all at the same time of them making these announcements is that energy in the room. It's just why, why you go to a a theater to watch a movie. It's the same thing. It's like, it's just that, that group mentality, uh, uh, that, that herd mentality of experiencing the same thing at the same time in the same physical space as, um, is something that's truly remarkable. I agree. Plus the exclusive content that you get, the sneak peeks that you get to see being at the D23 Expo that are not live streams and that you have to wait if you're the you know average moviegoer or park guest to see is really special that they they give a lot of gifts to fans and part of those gifts in addition to the live performances and the cast that appears on stage and the crew that appears on stage is the exclusive sneak peeks that you get and they give away a ton of stuff on your way out and every panel they'll give you a, a an exclusive poster the parks day which we'll talk about they gave out pastries from porto's bakery which is coming to downtown disney so they give the box <laughs> that of was, pastries. i was very excited about that <laughs> it was delicious it was perfect i was very excited was about snack. that yeah <laughs> um and you know they they, they do they give yeah out that's the other thing to those larger cons yeah the larger cons especially d23 but the larger cons will definitely they they do good on the giveaways um and that that for uh, the day one showcase, they gave an elemental poster, which is beautiful. Like the gorgeous artwork. There's there's um, glo- like certain aspects of it are gloss have gloss on it. It's like it's really high quality. It says D twenty three Expo on it. Like really well done. And they also had one for Strange World as well, which was great too. So they had they basically put those two things into a bag for you. Um, so they made it nice and easy and convenient to grab one on the way out. So um, that was great. Like that was actually one of my favorites um, actually of, of some of the giveaways that they, uh, they offered at the different panels at the different showcases. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I didn't have anything else from day one, but Mike, you mentioned walking, walk, walking, walking the show floor. I clearly didn't have enough coffee before we had this discussion. (laughs) Um, So uh, (laughs) what are some of the highlights for you from the massive show floor? Like, what did you see? What was your favorite thing to see from the, the show floor experience? Uh, I really, uh, Lucasfilm brought out the costumes for Indiana Jones, uh, Star Wars, as well as, um, and Marvel had their costumes out. That was really cool that they had those things on display. Um, so I was really excited to see those things. Um, we kind of browsed the, the show uh, floor, just kind of what I always like to do on day one, is, because day one is usually uh, uh, the one, the quieter days. Um, I like to call it the, get the lay of the land. So basically we just walk. 
like we not even go to the booths. We just want to see where is everything at, what what are things that are, looks like are going to get long lines. Um, what are what are things that have no lines right now that we can just do? So you know, even like going to the costumes because there's not as many people there, we can take our time to like look at it, take some pictures and things like that too. So doing things like that and then just saying, okay, where is Mickey's of Glendale? How is that? You know, where is that located? How is that like? How does this work? So that we're not you know doing things last minute we're just kind of getting the idea of the layout of the show floor and where everything is and how everything works and where we think the lines are going to be um so we did a lot of that um we did do um the virtual queue for mickey's of glendale because again that's um the one we were most interested in doing and it was very painless you know there there was uh basically you can go on the queue at 6 a.m and 1 and 1 p.m and Honestly, if you're not there within the first five minutes, they will go, but it goes pretty quickly. So, you know, we just put an alarm on for like six o'clock in the morning, went up, got the thing, and then back went back to bed again. So, and then the same thing is true at one o'clock. At some cases, we were able to jump in as, on those as well. Um, and yeah, it was pretty easy to get inside. It, it didn't feel too crazy inside Mickey's of Glendale. They had lots of uh, good options. It was the 70th anniversary for Walt Disney Imagineering, so they had... Um, a bunch of merchandise options uh, for that. So did pick up a couple of really uh, fun things there um, specifically for that purpose. So they had some, they had a good, a, a decent selection of things. Um, there wasn't really anything specifically for Disney 100 that I saw there, but it was more focused on Imagineering. So it was more about the 70th for Walt Disney Imagineering. Uh, so that's what I saw at uh, Mickey's of Glendale. And then, um, yeah, that was pretty much about it i mean we decided to keep each day relatively easy like we didn't go too crazy we knew we had three days so by mid-afternoon we decided that yeah we're done and just kind of relaxed for a little while then just had an early dinner so um that's what we did on day one mostly so that's good to know i will talk about a little bit more in day two because that's where I really explored the show floor the most and then I did again on day three but let's transition to day two it had what was probably my favorite panel which is surprising considering I focused so much on the parks I loved the Marvel Lucasfilm 20th Century Studios panel it was full of laughs surprises tons of content, heartwarming moments, and just a lot of fun. It was a three-hour panel <laughs> from beginning to end. Uh, that didn't include waking up early and, you know, even for media, getting in, in the media line to make sure I had a good spot for the presentation. It was, at the end of the day, I think half of my my conference day let's say was spent waiting for and attending that panel and between they started with lucasfilm um with kathy kennedy coming out to lead that showcase then of course marvel kevin feige always a amazing presenter and a fan and a really well grounded um you know guy so it's it was great to see him up there on stage and all the marvelous stuff he presented to us to use a pun and then 20th century studios was another great presentation i was actually really excited about that one um so we'll talk about that too 
for you, Mike, what were, I think we're going to share some of the same highlights, but I'll let you talk about your favorites first. What were some of your favorite highlights from that presentation? Well, before we go there, I do want to talk about prepping for this show. Go for it. Because this one is different. So to keep, to give it, give you an idea. So we were fortunate. So we did the lottery. So to get the reserve seating, because we talked about preferred, but there's also reserve seating, which is just part of your ticket. And it's again, lottery system. Uh, So my brother and I, what we did was we strategized because you can do up to one guest. So we just said a one guest and then, and honestly, like was in the day. So it wasn't like as soon as it became available, like just like uh, it just became available. I think a day or two later, both uh, my brother and I did this where we went online and we reserved for the three top, the three major panels for each day. So we did uh, day one showcase for Disney live action animation and Pixar. We did um, Lucasfilm, Marvel and 20th Century Studios. And then we also did the parks uh, showcase as well. So we did all three of the big ones and we knew that there's a chance that we may not get any of them or we would get one of them, but we try to hedge our bets by, okay, if we both do it plus one guess, if one of us doesn't get one, but the other one does, we, we have, we have each other's back. We got ourselves covered. And ironically, we end up getting all three of them with uh, both of us did. So we both had got them plus a plus one guest. So we were good. And we, that means we were getting the reserve seating. So we knew we didn't have to get there as early for the Disney animation, we still got there an hour ahead of time because we we didn't mind get uh, if we got uh, back, further back seats as long as we had a good view of a screen. We were fine that by that because I know some people were like, oh well, we want to see you know the you know the people that are up on stage. But believe me, even if you got really good seats, they're gonna be like you know they're gonna look super small. You're gonna barely see them from the stage because most because the the bulk of where the main people are are going to be. Um, you know, personal guests uh, from Disney are going to take up the first couple of rows. Um, then it's going to be f- way further back than that. It's going to be preferred seating. Like even media, like is pretty far back. So you're really like, even if you got preferred seating or reserved seating, you're really not going to be able to see them that much. Like it's going to, they're going to be super, super small. So it's more a priority about making sure you have a good spot on the screens unfortunately they did a good job with the layout that most seats you're going to get a good view of the screen but for the marvel we we do not underestimate marvel and and lucasfilm fans and this i know from san diego comic-con so even with reserved seating we got there three hours ahead of time so for the 10 a.m showcase we got there at 7 a.m and wait and and sat in line so just kind of give you an idea and that we did get good seats for that, but you know, that's to kind of give you an idea when, when Matt, you're talking about that it's the majority of the day. It is the majority of the day because it was three hours. And then what was supposed to be a two hour panel being end up being close to three hours. So that was six hours just to do that one thing, but it was worth it because now we can get into the favorite things about the, the, the things that they showed. I will say for Lucasfilm, it was Indiana Jones. Oh, yes. It was, uh, I knew they were going to bring out Harrison Ford. Like he, he may be grumpy old Harrison at this point in time, but he, he will do it. And to me, what was so special was that when he came out on stage, you can see how choked up he already was because he knows this is it. This is it. He's not going to do this again. 
Star Wars is done. This is the last Indiana Jones film. This is it. So you can tell that he realized this is going to be the last last one that he's going to make any kind of major appearance. And I'd be very surprised if he comes back for anything else after this. So, um, that was, you can, that was truly special to see him up on stage. And he's, you know, he even said like, he, he was like this, and he's like, well, maybe, maybe he, like he even paused him. He's like, no, I'm not coming back. He literally is like, I'm not coming. This is it guys. <laughs> I am not falling down for you again. This is the last time. This is it. He just celebrated his 80th birthday a couple of months ago. So like, you know, that's it. Like that's it for him. And uh, so that was truly special to witness that. And then the footage for that you show for Indiana Jones looks great. Like James Mangold is, is directing. He, he directed the Wolverine and Logan, which I love both of those films. I think it was a very wise choice to have him as a director. And it really felt like a character study of Indiana Jones. And uh, I think that's the best way to end it is, is in that way. So I'm very excited for it. It looks great. Um, that was definitely my highlight from Lucasfilm for Marvel. It was how they started it. Oh yes. That so, was the so, best. <laughs> So Kevin Feige came out and he said that, you know, you know, you know, he's like, how many people went to like the, you know, the Disney, you know, the animation panel uh, yesterday and we all cheered and he goes, you know, one of the things like they get to do is do musicals. And I've always like, I'm like, I always wanted to do a musical. It's not fair that we can't to do musicals. And then all of a sudden they break out into song and this basically an entire cast comes on stage to do Rogers, the musical, which if you don't know what that is, it's in Hawkeye. It's the, the it's it's peppered throughout some like this tease in a couple of the other things. Spider Man No Way Home is one of them, but in Hawkeye they do <laughs> Rogers the musical, which is basically a musical version of Avengers, and it's hilarious. It's amazing, and they do the the uh, hit song from Rogers the musical. I can do this all day, and it was fantastic. They mean they it was not just like a just like like a you know, a half put together performance. No, they went all out like a Broadway style performance of this song. Live was orchestra great. was there. Loved it. it was incredible. Yes. <laughs> like they, they, they pulled out all the stops. They even had the composer uh, coming out to conduct. I mean, it was great. I loved the entire thing. They even said it took, it took weeks for them to choreograph this one thing. <laughs> <laughs> it was worth it. They really nailed it. So to me, that was, you know, they did show a lot of great footage. I'm a huge Marvel fan too, mind you. So I'm a huge Marvel fan. Um, they did do give us like quite a bit of footage. Um, nothing too revealing, um, but um, they did give us quite a bit. But that was by far my favorite part of the Marvel panel was that. And then for 20th Century Studios, um, they uh, came back to uh, they they actually showed a ton of footage for Avatar the Way of Water and I was hoping for that I was very lucky that for San Diego Comic-Con this was in 2008 and uh, James Cameron uh, basically showed us footage of Avatar for the first, like before, you know, for the first time, the general public got to see anything from this movie that own, that people were just speculating on what this thing was. And they gave us 3D glasses and show, and he showed us like a solid five to 10 minutes of Avatar. And that was 
one of the most memorable experiences to this day that I have going to a convention was that moment. And I was glad that he did it again. And he would gave all the entire audience 3d glasses and we got to see a good solid, like we, we saw like a couple of solid scenes from the way of water. And I got to say, I'm very excited. I wasn't so sure from the, from the first trailer, what they were really were going for, but now seeing some scenes of where this, this is going, I'm very, not only looking forward to this film in general, but also this, the subsequent, the sequels, because I can see where they're going with this. And um, so, yeah, it looks, it looks really good. I was very, very excited by that. I, I have a lot of the same moments as you definitely Rogers, the musical, I was going to mention one of my favorite moments from the whole presentation. It was absolutely a riot it electrified the entire 7500 people audience that was there i from the lucasfilm um sequence obviously indiana jones harrison ford seeing him get choked up was a tender moment i love to see i really liked to see i really liked seeing the preview footage for andor rogue one is one of my favorite star wars movies and the footage for andor looks incredible and it's from the same director as the born identity and it's told as a 24 episode over two seasons 12 episodes per season a 24 episode spy thriller for the events leading up to rogue one which i think the footage looks so awesome it's these days my time is spread thin there are so many disney plus shows that i haven't been able to watch moon knight i still haven't watched she hulk i haven't watched uh book of boba fett i haven't watched but i dropped everything to watch obi-wan kenobi and i suspect i'm going to drop everything to watch andor because it looks really incredible and the other thing i'm going to drop everything to watch later next year is Mandalorian season three. Of course, John Favreau mm-hmm. came on stage and talked about Mandalorian season three. I love Mandalorian and it, I'm sure they didn't give too much away. They really couldn't give too much away, but it seems like season three is going to be another blockbuster series to watch or season to watch. Um, from the Marvel perspective, I agree with you, Mike, like the highlight was Rogers the musical and they didn't give us too much beyond that the other thing though that I really did see I really did like to see was the exclusive sneak peek of um, Wakanda forever that looked epic um, I it, it got that me was really fantastic. hyped to see that movie yeah that's yes. so good <laughs> I mean I was already excited for it but that but m- the scene that they showed us I was like man this is gonna be good <laughs> like this is gonna be real good <laughs> like I was so I was already excited for it, but I mean, because the trailer for Wakanda Forever was was ah oh, that 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 trailer alone gives me goosebumps. But seeing the footage for it, I mean, it looks like this this film's going to deliver. It's going to end Phase Four four on a strong note. So I was yeah. very very excited by that. Yeah, and then I was personally really looking forward to the avatar way of water presentation i mean it was pitched as a 20th century studios presentation but we all know they were going to talk about avatar way of water and maybe a surprise they had no other surprises i i was i have to admit when james cameron came on screen and said he was in new zealand i for half a second thought they were trolling us and he was going to walk on stage but he was truly in new zealand i was appreciative of the fact that it was actually a live stream though it was very easy to tell that this was not pre-recorded there were ad-lib moments and things that happened on the spot that could not have been prepared so it was great to see that and the cast seeing them on stage i mean sam wilson and uh, zoe saldana and uh even like stephen lang and sigourney weaver seeing them on stage along with the new cast was 
really amazing to see. I mean, how often are we going to get to see that again? And I also thought he was kidding when James James Cameron, when he said that, you know, like, okay, so in a moment, the ushers are going to be passing out 3D glasses in the aisles. And I thought, how are they going to, it's going to take 30 minutes for them to pass out 3D glasses to an audience of 7,500 people. But sure enough, what I thought was a joke, this army of ushers that had to be, had to be like 50 of them came out with boxes of 3D glasses, passed them out church pew style aisle to aisle um and we all within three minutes had 3d glasses it was absolutely remarkable how quickly that operation happened and then seeing the footage for avatar way of water i have personally been looking forward to this film because i do love the first avatar movie one of my biggest regrets in movie cinema history is not seeing the first movie in imax 3d or in theaters at all i didn't see it until it was released on DVD or streaming or TV. Um, so I saw it for the first time at home. Now that it's coming out, um, or when you're listening to this episode, it'll already be out. The first one re-released in theaters, September 23rd. Uh, I'm absolutely going to see it in theaters since I didn't get the chance to see it. And it's been remastered, which makes another excuse to go, even if you have seen it before. And that 10 minutes of footage they showed us for Way of Water, forget the story. The story is captivating. But to me, you go see Avatar in theaters because of the scenery and the world building. And even on a non-IMAX screen, seeing it in 3D looked breathtaking. And accompanied with the music that you can tell was very, very, very heavily inspired by the James Horner score from the first movie. Um, it almost felt like James Horner wrote this score. Um, it it looks like something that, you know, forget the the movie review component of it. It is a it is a movie experience. You go there for the experience of seeing it in theaters. And to your point, Mike, the story does seem more captivating than I even thought it was going to be. So I am personally very excited to go see that movie. Um, that was the highlight for me. I will also say on a, a- uh, one of the highlights for me was because they really had a rush to give the 3D glasses to everybody um, because it happened so quickly. Um, I think at one point they're like, here, just take the box and go because like the, it was already <laughs> it was the footage was already going. And so the box ended up in my lap. So I'm like <laughs> and I'm looking around. And everyone has their 3D glasses. I'm like, OK, I'm now the steward of the glasses. I will hold on to these for my life. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, that was kind of fun. They, they gave me amazing the, like, so i and you know i did not keep the glasses i i gave found some you know cast member to give the glass box box of glasses too but um, yeah yeah but that's the thing like and to case in point like and that's the thing is like it's so hard to to gauge these uh these showcases so case in point and also so always, this is also why you need to be flexible is that this was supposed to be a two-hour panel ended up being two hours and 45 minutes so it went 45 minutes after it was supposed to end. So in fact, they actually had to push the next panel because of that reason. So those things happen. It, you know, it's really, really challenging to, you know, I've done event planning before on a very small scale um, in comparison. So I can, I can personally vouch on how challenging it is to do this kind of planning. So always expect that some things are going to happen. Some things are going to go wrong and things like that. I mean, you know, that's the other thing too. All three showcases, there were always a uh, technical issue that came up because it's all live. So there are things like that that are going to come up. But actually, I find this part of the experience. It's not, you know, it's not always going to be super polished. Like there are going to be issues and things are going to pop up. Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, for the sake of time, I'm going to pepper in a couple of quick things, and then we definitely have to spend some time mm -hmm. talking about the Boundless Future panel, which was about Disney parks and experiences. Yes. I loved a couple things on the show floor. One, the part of the exhibit where you got to see the, um, the sort of fan um, fan booths. So I spent quite some time with at the WDW radio booth. You know, if you're listening, I listen to WDW radio. It's one of the only Disney podcasts I listen to and have been for 15 years. So getting to, you know, if you're a fan of that podcast too, getting to meet and hang out with Lou in person and spend some time at their booth is great. Um, there was a ton of booths that you can enjoy there. I, from a, an official booth perspective that was hosted by the expo, the wonderful world of dreams that was hosted by Imagineering that showcased their, um, the models that were there, the concept art. Uh, I spent, I literally spent over an hour over the weekends in that booth, um, or in that, that booth, that exhibit. Um, the archive exhibit was also really great to see for a hundred years of Disney and Walt's plane was quick it was quick to see and you had one or two photo opportunities you couldn't go into the plane but they had you literally saw waltz plane in the arena at the anaheim convention center which was great to see and then they had some um like exhibits around it so you can see what it looked like inside the plane and what memorabilia was there some stories from the plane so that was really a, a real treat to see but let's talk about the parks so we had the boundless future panel i will say from a Disney fan perspective, and especially being the host of Imagineer podcast, this was the panel I was the most excited to see. And I had goosebumps almost the entire panel. Um, just the energy and the electricity that was present in that room. Um, Josh Tomorrow is always very charismatic. Disney fans love him. Um, and he uh, I will also say too, real yeah. Sorry, I was going to say, uh, also, I would like to add to out of all the presenters, I thought that Josh was by far the most authentic. Mm -hmm. I thought one of the things that I really appreciated was that that they showcased their appreciation for us. And they had this really heartfelt beginning about, you know, the fact that the parks were closed and things like that, too, and so forth. But it really felt like it came from the heart saying thank you for they showed like they even had this uh, montage of clips of of um, people, I'm sure a lot of you listening have seen these videos of um, during the pandemic of people um, recreating the Disney attractions, everything from like world, you know, from the um, from the um, shows to the attractions themselves and so forth. And they said, like, literally, we seen the like we see what you guys have done and how much you care, and that's what kept on driving us. And that that meant a lot to me. I thought that was a really uh, was a very great way of starting the whole thing is is essentially as a thank you to us for keeping them pushing forward because yeah i mean they they you know they're they're playing catch up right now in the last two years in fact um even at um the uh i'm trying i already lost the name for it the uh the booth where all the imagineers at the wonderful, wonderful world, world of dreams. dreams right yeah got it good um they that you can tell like they're like yeah no we're we're still playing catch up. You know, we're still trying to figure things out for the last two years. So I think, you know, taking that into consideration as well, that they're still trying to figure things out. And a lot of things got, you know, put, you know, got shit. A lot of projects got shelved. Like a lot of things that they were working on, like came to a screeching halt. So I, I do understand that. And it's, you know, it's a slow train. Like, you know, it's a lot that they need that needs to happen. So they're trying to get, 
get that train going again. Uh, so yeah, so sorry, I it didn't mean to after I interrupt you, but I did want to mention that I really felt like that he was that Josh was very genuine up on stage um, of not only showing his appreciation for everything that's going on, but the understanding of like, yeah, we're 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 moving forward now, but you know, we're now moving forward. Like, you know, so there are things that are coming, but you got to be patient with us. Yeah. I think if any Disney fan went into this presentation thinking that they don't listen to fans, I think if you listened carefully to the word choice, to the things Josh brought up, they are very well aware of what people are saying and, you know, good and bad. And they, you know, while it's, really impractical and i think unfair to expect disney to just be at the absolute whim of disney parks fans um it you can tell that they try to incorporate as much as they possibly can to both um plan for the vision that they have for the direction the company is going and the state of the economy and the world and what they're working with right now plus mike to your point I think Disney fans underestimate how much damage was done during the pandemic. Uh, You know, I like to say that Disneyland was closed for 421 days. Just let that sink in like that. The, the amount of money lost and it's not like they're, they don't have any expenses. Like they have to keep the park running. They have to play, they have to pay property tax. They have to like, there's, there's a tremendous expense to just owning a park, let alone running a park, and they need to keep the lights on. It's not like they just, you know, turned off the lights, which think about when you leave your home for vacation, you still power your home. Like there's, there is so much expense. Um, So, you know, I went into this panel and I said this to a couple of people who had asked me, and I should have been more vocal about it, I think, going in. I said, I expected this to be an incremental panel, not a, hey, everything is better than ever panel. Like this is, here are the things we're working on, Mike, to your point, like the train, it's the, the train is moving, not the train is at full speed ahead. Um, like, you know, it, I was really happy to see that they've, they've left the station. Um, they're on the right track again. They're heading the right way. Um, I did not expect like everything we announced in 2019 is coming back and we're doing this too. Um, it's like, again, unfair and impractical, impractical to expect that. Um, so going in with the right mindset and the right expectations is really important for something like this. That's where my head was at was they're going to bring us forward. They're not going to bring us to things are better than ever and full steam ahead. It's it's let's get back on the right track. And here we are. Um, That being said, um, for you, Mike, we don't have time to go through everything. So what were some of the highlights for you from the parks panel? The performance of Into the Unknown. Oh, yes, that was great. That was great. So because uh, there is a, a frozen section in a number of parks um, that are international, they actually brought three uh, singers up on stage to perform Into the Unknown uh, that are they're indigenous to their country that are also speaking in their native language. And the arrangement was so beautiful because they were speaking like they were they would basically be trading uh the you know various different verses as well as even the chorus in their own native language the entire performance 
and then at the end they 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 sung the chorus in in english but it was so incredibly done it was so beautifully executed um that that was one actually one of my favorite moments was that performance that was great. I also, uh, to piggyback on your performance analysis, the performance for Tiana's Bayou Adventure, where they actually oh, had so good. Anika Rose come out to um, perform as Tiana, and the fact that they announced that the cast, including her, are coming back for the attraction to voice the characters is really amazing. And I have been saying this now for a long time since they announced this in what was it 2020 or 2020 i think it was 2020 that they announced tiana's bayou adventure um that when you really sit and think about it this attraction is going to be incredible and if you had any doubts be in that room and they performed it live with the atmosphere and the power of the music that was performed and the storytelling that's incorporated with that attraction I am really looking forward to late 2024 when this opens. Um, I think it's going to give that attraction new life. Not that Splash Mountain was in any way short of a wait time, but I think it's going to breathe new life into it. And I am personally very excited for Maggie to grow up with this attraction. Um, It's going to be her Splash Mountain. Um, I almost got a little teary eyed just saying that. Um, like it's, it's going to be the attraction that she's going to say she has fond memories of between the music and the characters and everything. So that, that to me was really amazing to see performed in person. Um, so anyway, that, that, that and was I like to, an amazing performance. And I'd like to speak on that front too, because also Splash Mountain, Splash Mountain's actually one of my favorite Disney attractions. And so if somebody who has that, as, especially as a nostalgic attraction that I remember doing as a kid, right? Having said that, I'm very, very much looking forward to this, uh, to this whole new concept of it. I think it, you can tell that it's not just, you know, you know, just gutting the inside and then changing it up to some, you know, for, you know, specifically for Princess and the Frog. Like it's going to be completely reimagined for this. And I think there's a lot of care that's being put into this. And um, that's what makes me very, very excited for it. I definitely feel it's it's definitely time. Um, you know, especially Splash Mountain in general, even though I love that attraction so much, is definitely showing its age for so many different reasons. And so I think it was a very smart decision for them to do this. And I think that they're doing it with, with a very much respect and care that it still has the essence of splash mountain with a whole new meaning for it. And um, I don't even say theming it's a meaning like this has a brand new meaning for what this attraction is about. And um, so I'm very, very excited for that. Not to mention the fact that, I mean, they're bringing back the original lead Imagineer, Tony Baxter as a consultant on this project. So his hands are in this too. Um, exactly. So I think they're doing all the right moves on that front. Yeah. Um, you know, happily ever after coming back, I actually expected it. I predicted it. I was right. Um, I said it when they announced as the enchantment, actually, that happily ever after would come back after the 50th. And here we are 50 after the 50th. It's coming back. Um, I, you know, there's they announced a lot of shows. They announced the like the new World of Color show for the 100th anniversary World of Color one. Um, they magic happens is coming back to Disneyland's. They announced that 
the new Disney Cruise Line ship is going to be called the Disney Treasure. Such a perfect and appropriate name when you're talking about sailing the high seas of the Caribbean. Um, I think it's going to just enchant a lot of Disney fans and especially kids um, with that name. Um, we we definitely need to discuss the blue sky ideas that were presented at the end. Um, I mm-hmm. I'm going to give you my take on this um, because in the moment there was an electric an electricity that happened this energy that i mean fans were going crazy like that was the that was the the most vocal loud part of that presentation in addition to the happily ever after performance and announcement that's coming back to kick off the panel um the way this was pitched was very intentional and very misreported it has been reported by a lot of sites that honestly don't do their due diligence and look for the clicks. I've talked about this a lot on social media. This is this is being presented on media as a replacement or addition to these lands um, that's coming to the future. How it was presented is what if. And so to me, that means these are, and they they said these are blue sky concepts. Blue sky concepts are frequently shelved. Um, these were pitched as potential ideas, things they are thinking about. So to me, the things they discussed were, one, there is an idea to replace and expand Dinoland, which I have been predicting for a long time. And if you know your Disney history, when the park opened, Dinoland was cut in funding. It was one of the areas that in addition to Camp Mini Mickey, which was inevitably replaced with Pandora, it was planned to be replaced with something bigger. Dinoland was planned to eventually have a phase two. Um, so to me, it made complete sense. And I've been predicting that land could use some upkeep. Um, I, I had been predicting that they were going to eventually replace it with something or expand it. And that is what they are thinking. Like that's the next step for Disney's Animal Kingdom in terms of major development. The Magic Kingdom idea they gave three ideas, and by the way, they presented it as like a Zootopia Moana land and an Encanto Coco Villains land, and that's how it's being reported. That's not what they said. Um, they said, imagine if beyond Big Thunder Mountain, there's a casita themed to Encanto, or you ride on the back of an alebrije for Coco, or you see a Villains land. Like To me, those are three distinct ideas. Not one land coming to Magic Kingdom. And again, something that is potential for the future. That would be an unused land behind Big Thunder Mountain Railroad. Um, So to me, I was really excited to see them dreaming and thinking about new things. I know why they did this. It was really smartly played. In 2019, they announced a lot that because of the pandemic and the economy, they had to scale back and disappointed Disney fans. So instead, they said, we can't overpromise this time. Let's show some of the things we're thinking about also kind of test the waters and see what people are most excited about among the Disney fan community. And that'll help guide us for the decisions that we make. Um, so that's my long lecture, I guess, on um, don't expect these things to definitely come to life anytime soon. I think we're looking at 10 years out um, as in terms of thinking about when these things will happen. And don't expect these are definite plans. These are absolutely going to change um, and will probably definitely narrow in scope in one way or another. I 100% agree. And again, they did very much let us know this is blue sky. This is just an idea. And I've been seeing like tons of publications, not only mentioning replacements, but also com- like saying confirm these lands. I'm like, no, this is just ideas. Like that's all they have. They have concept art and ideas. That's all they have. 
you know, and again, most of it gets shelved anyway, but the whole point was to gauge the reactions and to test the waters out and what people would be excited for. I seriously doubt we'll have a Moana slash Zootopia section in uh, <laughs> yeah. Dino Land. If, if my guess, if my guess is anything, I think they'll do just straight up Zootopia. Oh yeah. Is my guess. Uh, my, if I was going to make a prediction, Zootopia makes sense. Dino Land is not that big of an area. And also there's, uh, I think a similar ride in, I forgot which park for Zootopia that is, even though it's a completely different vehicle design, I can see them repurposing one of the Zootopia attractions to completely replace countdown to extinction. So to me, Zootopia makes perfect sense for, for animal kingdom specifically. And they also have a Moana attraction at Epcot. And yes, they do have, sometimes they'll use IP in multiple different parks, but they're already having something brand new. That's Moana related in Epcot. So for me, you know, that makes sense. So I can see them axing Moana completely and then just doing a whole Zootopia section that to me, make a little bit more straightforward. Um, Probably is going to be a little bit more cost effective that way. And replace content extinction moving over to magic kingdom yes yes go ahead no no go ahead Uh, moving over to magic kingdom i seriously seriously doubt they're gonna do all three of those things um uh i think we'll be lucky if they'll do one um which one of those is my guess i'm hoping so here here's what i would like to see is i would like to see either Encanto. Or villain, or or villainous, back there. Um, Coco, I would love to see in the Mexican Pavilion, in Epcot. It just to me makes perfect sense. You know, I I know I do like the current version uh, of the attraction, but I think that it was just mostly just a slight uh, update of what it is there. And I always loved that the uh, the ride, but um, having a completely revisioned coco version of it to me just makes perfect sense um so i would love to see coco live there and then either have Encanto, um which because i love because i love the concept that they mentioned about that you can open your own door and get your own gift i'm like oh that's like to me there's so much there's so much creativity there with Encanto that i can see happening so um love to see that and i mean like if you want to know the the biggest reaction it was having a villain land like that got the by far the most reaction out of everything the entire showcase that was the one thing that everybody wanted so i'm really and this is something that i know matt you and i've talked about even before you started this podcast we were talking about a villainous mountain that was that was rumored for decades for doing like a, a villains only attraction so this is something that I know that fans have been wanting for a very, very, very long time. And I'm hoping that that, because of how strong that reaction was, that that's what they're going to end up going for. So I'm hoping that's what it is, but I'll just, I'll be very happy if they do like an Encanto themed uh, section two behind Big Thunder. Yeah. Yeah. I absolutely agree with you. So clearly there's a lot to discuss. I mean, we didn't even talk about the Avengers Campus edition. We're going to get a multiverse attraction. They didn't tease out too much for this. There's not much to say other than we're going to get King Thanos in a universe where Thanos won, which seems awesome. And they teased out a little bit about the ride vehicle and the concept art. Yes, but also too the fact that it's not just King Thanos. It is that they are now making this a part of the MCU multiverse 
and that they're like from the artwork is they're going to have all the characters from the MCU, including from the Disney plus shows are going to be banding together to take down King Thanos. And I thought that is a cool idea. So I hope that they're not shooting for the moon and then they're going to go halfway. I hope they're going to go all the way with this concept, but this is, I'm really, really looking forward to this attraction. That sounds amazing. Yeah. It's going to be really cool. Um, you know, we could, as I said, talk for hours about D23 Expo, but I wanted to keep this relatively brief and highlighting some of the major moments. Um, overall takeaways, Mike, sort of wrap-up question. What are, what are your main takeaways from this D23 Expo? My main takeaways is how much I did miss going to these cons. I wasn't sure because I've, I've been very fortunate and I've done a lot of these. And so I wasn't sure if, if this, this was the end of my era of doing these things. And I got to say, I loved every moment of it including dealing with the long lines and the crowds and just being in that environment is so electrifying. So for me, it was really, I was really glad to be there, but I think the biggest takeaway, and I know I'm going to get a little sappy on this is I got to spend it with my brother and my cousin. That was to me is the most important thing was just being there um, and experiencing these things with those, with those people. That's by far the biggest takeaway for me. Um, well, it's hard to top that. It was it was definitely nice to reconnect. Uh, it was great to reconnect with family. Um, it was nice to regroup with Disney fans in a, a real fan space, right? Like Disney parks, you have people that love to go to the parks, but there's a lot more casual park goers. This is you know full of fans. Everyone who's there is a passionate fan about. Disney or Marvel or Lucasfilm or hey like I saw a screening of Zootopia Plus which by the way looked amazing like there were hardcore Zootopia fans that were in that panel like if you have a passion for one of even just one of these panels you will find your people there and it, it was really nice to reconnect with um with a lot of those Disney fans again to get to meet a lot of people for the first time um who came up and said hello to me if you did say hello to me thank you for doing so it was great to meet you in person um and so it was it was great to reconnect in person. And I also was left feeling um, optimistic about Disney. I know there was a a sort of if you if you if you believe everything you read online, which I never do, um, you know, there's a there's a real mix of reviews um, in terms of like how people felt coming out of this this expo. Um, but again, I think a lot of the negativity is from um, personally, I think, unfair criticism um, and sort of false expectations of what was going to come out of this event and a, a, a not broad enough view of Disney's um, sort of space and time and uh, the, the state of where we are economically um, it has a tremendous impact more than people realize and recovering from the pandemic is, is also going to take a long time. So I think if you have the long-term view of, of, you know, not thinking about just the next year or, the the you know even personal desires that we want to see from the parks but taking the hundred year view of the disney company history we're in a a small era where disney needs to bounce back and if we're in a bounce back period i felt pretty good about this expo because <laughs> they have a lot of exciting projects in the works um they, so needless they to say delivered there's they, a lot to look forward to and they did yeah they still delivered and that's the thing is like they you know, despite all those things, I was very pleasantly surprised at what they did show us. And 
you know, and this is coming from somebody who has been to D23 before, have been to major, you know, entertainment conventions before, and they still delivered pretty well. Like I was very, I was very pleasantly surprised by this because I, again, I had very little expectations going into what they're going to show because of all these reasons. And they did show quite a bit. So I was very, I was very happy about it. I think they delivered, you know, you're never going to please everybody. Everyone's going to have all these expectations no. of, of what they're going to show and so forth. And, you know, you have to go into this going, you just with all, all eyes open on and with just curiosity of like what, where they're going to go next. And for that reasons, I think they really did truly deliver. I think so too. And on that note, Mike, we'll uh, continue this conversation at the next D23 Expo recap in two years. Sounds good to me. <laughs> but uh, thanks as always for joining me. And with that, we close out episode 145 and our two-part discussion about D23 Expo 2022. I hope you enjoyed hearing a little bit more about some of the highlights for us on each day of the D23 Expo, some of our favorite panels and moments, some of the most memorable and iconic parts of D23 Expo, and so much more. And of course, like I said, this is the fun stuff. So I want to turn this conversation over to you. It is a big question. I want to hear what your takeaways are from D23 Expo 2022, whether you attended in person, watched the live stream, or just read up about it, or use this episode as your recap of D23 Expo 2022. You can send me your answers and feedback as always in so many different ways. You can reach out on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and LinkedIn at Imagineer Podcast on Twitter at Imagineer News. Better yet, you might want to join our Facebook group, which is the Imagination, also called the Imagineer Podcast Disney Fan Community, because that's a place you get to connect with other members of this listener community. So it's not just a one-on-one -on -one conversation with me, but a full conversation. You get other ideas, other insights, other answers, and can ask more questions in our Facebook community. So again, head to our Facebook group if you're not already a member, because it's a great place to connect with many other Disney fans that listen to Imagineer podcast. And if you have a moment, uh, if you don't already, first of all, subscribe to Imagine Your Podcast, make sure to hit that subscribe button in your favorite podcast app, whatever that might be. And if you have a moment to leave us a rating and a review in Apple Podcasts and Spotify in particular, but any other podcast app that enables ratings and reviews, that helps this community out tremendously because it not only increases our relevance in these podcast apps, if someone is searching for Disney related topics, but it also lets others know what they can expect when they hit that play button. So I'm incredibly grateful to the close to 800 of you that have left us an average of really it's 4.9 out of 5 in Apple Podcasts and a 5.0 out of 5 as of the time I'm recording this um, in Spotify. So I'm so grateful to those of you who have left such a positive rating. It encourages me to keep making this community even better for you to keep moving forward as Walt would say. So thank you for leaving us ratings and reviews in those communities. It really does help us out. And if you'd like to take your love of Imagine Your Podcast to the next level, definitely look into our Patreon group. Look into becoming an Imagineer pass holder. Um, that's the name of our Patreon community right now. Not quite the same as being a pass holder to the Disney parks, but you do get exclusive access to all kinds of bonus content, including 
bonus podcast episodes. I have, I think, about 45 right now, bonus podcast episodes that I've accumulated. Um, streamable binaural audio that I've recorded at the parks, which is 360 Scenic Audio, great for listening with headphones or earbuds that you can listen on demand whenever you like. Uh, there's a private Facebook community. We do weekly Disney Plus watch parties, which are always so much fun. We do lots of virtual events throughout the year. You get early access to different kinds of new events that I might bring up, and I try to throw lots of surprises your way. So thanks to our Patreon members, as always, for being a part of the community. And now, more than ever, it's simpler than ever to join our Patreon group, and I have narrowed everything down to just one tier of membership. There's just one membership plan. The reason I did that is because I can now pack more value into the community for less, which is a great value to you if you're listening. Um, And the easy thing about Patreon is you can join, cancel whenever you want through the Patreon app. It's all done through Patreon. And it's a great way to support the show. It helps make sure the we keep the lights on for Imagine Your Podcast and get opportunities to attend D23. I'm going to be incredibly candid. If not for Patreon, even with the Media Pass, I probably would not have been able to go to D23 Expo. So thanks to you if you're a Patreon member. If you're not a Patreon member, it's joining is not only getting you access to those perks, but it's, it's helping unlock more opportunities for the show and helping me to get more content for you. This was a work trip. I invested all my time and effort into creating the best experience possible for those of you watching at home and to bring as much information to this podcast episode as possible. I work incredibly hard for you guys and I sincerely appreciate anything you can do to help this community out, even if it's just sharing the show. It does so much to help out this podcast and uh, all the listeners within the community too. Um, But anyway, I digress. You can learn more at patreon.com slash imagine your podcast. And as always, terms and conditions are subject to change as they sometimes do. And uh, so just head to that website to learn more about what is currently available, depending on when you're listening to the show. If you are ready to book a vacation to any Disney destination, Walt Disney World, Disneyland, Disney Cruise Line, you know the places to go. Look into our travel partner, Magical Park Vacations at MagicalParkVacations.com which is a complimentary service. They can book your vacation for you, help you to sort of act as a guide um, to plan out your vacation, give you some recommendations, or if you just know what you want, um, they'll handle all the booking for you, which is such a great complimentary service to take advantage of. And they're a great team of agents. Um, I work with them personally, and they are such a pleasure to chat with and uh, incredibly supportive and helpful. So reach out to them, magicalparkvacations.com. And even better, their sister company, www.parkplanners.com, um, or WDW Park Planners, which you can find at that website. They are a concierge planning team. I mean, this is a premium level service. They work very closely with your family to help you make the most of your Disney vacation. If you haven't been in a while, if it's your first time going, if you're experiencing the parks in a different way, or quite simply, if you don't have the time, or you're even just looking for a way to make your Disney vacations better, they have made my Disney vacations better. I truly mean that. Um, You can reach out to them and have them come up with a custom itinerary for your family and make the most of your next Disney vacation. You can learn all about their service um, over at, uh, sorry, www.parkplanners.com. Absolutely a wonderful team to work with. And their sister company, magicalparktours.com, which shout out to Connor, um, who runs Magical Park Tours with Colleen right now. 
Connor, I have never experienced the parks like I did with you. Uh, it, it, it's Magical Park Tours is a way that you can sort of hire a Disney expert to come to the parks with you. And even me talking all day, all week about Disney, I learned a ton from Connor. It was the best park day I've had in a long time at Epcot. Um, part of that was because it was Maggie's first day at the parks, Maggie's first trip. But I got to tell you, Connor really knows what he's doing. That whole team at Magical Park Tours can really give you an amazing day at the parks. Um, so learn more about them over at MagicalParkTours.com. Last but not least, I want to encourage you, as I always do, to go after your hopes, dreams, goals. I hope the message is not getting lost in translation or getting overly repetitive, but life's too short to wait. Um, It's the secret mission I have for this podcast is to encourage you to go after your dreams. So go make those dreams a reality. And remember, as always, that inspiring quote from Horizons. If you can dream it, you can do it. Thank you so much for listening to the show, and we'll see you again in a future episode of the Imagineer Podcast. set is probably the most expendable part of filmmaking. As soon as we're finished with the set, our crews tear it apart, start building new ones for our next picture. I think if Walt Disney were here today, he would really embrace the change. Walt was not necessarily sentimental or nostalgic. He was always looking forward, looking ahead. What can I do next? Walt Disney World Resort for the world's most magical celebration. Every moment is amazing, the joy is never ending, and the memories last a lifetime. Because when you celebrate with us, nothing could be more magical. Contact Magical Park Vacations to book your Walt Disney World Resort vacation today. Call 585-662-3686 or visit MagicalParkVacations.com.